All right, church, and you all can go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 22 with me this morning. It's where we're going to be. We're going to pick up where we left off last week and go into chapter 23. You will want to have a Bible. If you've got your phone, you've got the Bible app, that's fine. There's Bibles um, every other row in the baskets. Uh, you can grab one of those. And then we've been giving out Acts scripture journals for the past year. Those are still in the cafe uh, what a scripture journal is, it's a uh, scripture on one side, just going through Acts, and then a blank page for you to be able to take notes. We encourage you to do that um, because we're going verse by verse through Acts. I've uh, been doing it for over a year, um, so that's our gift to you. And we're coming to, we, we really started it last week. Paul, is he's entered into Jerusalem now, and, and he's not going on any more missionary journeys. Like, this is it, there's this inroad, but Paul's not done. He's being a missionary where he's at, which is something that we could all um, use a little bit of knowledge on. That we, we don't have to go overseas. We don't even have to go out of state. We don't even have to go out of town, down to Wadsworth. You know, some of you live in Wadsworth. Your missionary's there, right? This seems like the, more, uh, the foreign mission field to you coming up to, to Medina. Sometimes a, a little bit of a different demographic just being down the road. But really what we see is, is Paul is now not on the offensive side. He's not going and, and uh, seeing these new places and taking the gospel to them. He's being accused of things, and he's using that opportunity to share the gospel, to share the, the truth, to speak the truth of the gospel. Tony Morita says, uh, really from Acts 21 and on, um, that this is, this is Paul's defense. And, and he, he makes a note in his commentary um, that that people argue back and forth in football, what, what wins games? Is it offense or is it defense? And you have the offensive coaches, and they say, well, if we don't score, we don't win. And then you have the defensive coaches that say, it doesn't matter how many points you put up. If we can't stop them from scoring, then there's no point. But he makes the note that both are important. Both are equally important because without them, you're not going to have a well-rounded game. You're probably not going to win all of your games Either. More importantly for the Christian, we have to understand that we need to be actively going. But when people come to us, when we're accused of things, when the gospel is, is being, being questioned, then we ought to give a defense for why we believe in it. Amen, church? So this morning, our main point is to speak the truth. Speak the truth. Now, we do all capital letters, but this would be like capital T because the importance and it's the gospel and it's about Jesus. It's not just, hey, just speak truth. It's speak the truth. We need to speak the truth into every situation that presents itself in our life. Before we go any further, let's just be in an attitude of prayer together, church, praying for wisdom and praying for direction, praying for humility as we actively go, but also as we defend and stand our ground for the sake of the gospel. Let's pray. Father God, we, we come to you this morning, and, and my prayer is for wisdom. God, this life is difficult, and I really don't know if it's more or less. I know that it's, it's evil, and this world's corrupt, and you are going to restore all things. And God, as you are actively, continually restoring those you've already saved, God, I pray that you would just sanctify us into your likeness, that you would encourage us as we go out, because this, this life presents many challenges to us. And God, I pray that we would take those opportunities to speak the truth. God, as our neighbors are going through bad weeks, as they, they open up their door for us to come in and to care for them and love on them, God, I pray that we would, we would sternly and humbly speak the truth into their life. God, that we would be attentive to their need and how we can serve them for your glory. 
God, I pray that we would be courageous. We pray for, for courage of your spirit, God, to, to not let us fall away, to not let us become scared, to not let us back down from the gospel. But God, with sternness and humility, preach truth. God, we love you, we praise you, and ask that you would move amongst us this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So speak the truth. I've got uh, really four characteristics, but the first two will be in, in the first point um, to, to help us to speak the truth. That's sternness and humility. Sternness and humility, attentiveness and courageousness. These are things that the Christian ought to have. We ought to be stern, but we also must be humble. And, and tying those together is really important. We'll get to it in a second. Be attentive people. We shouldn't be just like, hey, just believe in Jesus. We're like looking down on our feet, not paying attention to the world around us. No, we ought to know what our kids are being taught. We ought to know what our, our culture, and especially in Medina, and if you live in Wadsworth there, understand what your culture is being drawn to and, and what the world is using to draw them away from the gospel so that we can, we can counteract it to, to draw them near to the gospel and let the Holy Spirit do what the, only the Holy Spirit can do and draw them to himself, right? And be courageous. Don't back down. First point, sternness and humility. Now this one's important because some of us need to hear, uh, there's, there's two sides to this, this coin, right? We're the same coin, right? We're believers. So to the believer I'm talking to, as often 99% of the message is to believers, right? Because the believers are gathered. So I'm, I'm going to talk to the, the coin where it's like, hey, yeah, absolutely talk stern to them. Hey, I'm not afraid to go out and, and just lay it down, lay it on thick. This is why they're together, because we also need humility. We need to make sure that we're approaching it with grace and with mercy, understanding that until Christ comes and changes your life, you, you may have a little understanding, but Paul writes and says the word of God is folly to those who are perishing. Be gracious. Be humble. Especially because they're going to see us eventually fall on our face, right? We want to make sure that we're, we're stern. Absolutely but we're humble. Now to the person who's like, hey, let's just be humble. Let's just be gracious. Jesus is, is loving. Jesus is kind. Jesus is love, right? No, you need to be stern. What that means is you need to study the word. You need to know what the word says, right? You need to, to know what the gospel means. You need to know the implications of believing the gospel and being a follower, a disciple of Jesus, and there's no way to get around that. If you're a believer in Jesus, you're a disciple of Jesus, right? Like, we try and separate those words because disciple comes with baggage and Christian and, and believer doesn't. So to the one who's like always stern, remember, be humble, right? But to the one who's just always humble and always gracious, you still got to be stern. Let's talk about it. Quick reminder uh, from last week, chapter 22, we see Paul goes in, uh, he has gone into Jerusalem now, and then he's, he's defending his case of like what he's been doing with the Gentile people. This was a huge division between the Jews and the Gentiles, right? They, they, had, the, they had lots of issues, right? Um, and, and right here at the very end of chapter 22, we see this. We see, um, Paul says in, in verse 21, talking about Jesus, telling Paul, says, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. This is chapter 22, verse 21, where Paul is telling them, Paul is making a defense case for why he's innocent of the things he's being accused of. He's saying, Jesus came to me in a vision and told me that I would go to the Gentile people, I'd go far away and take the gospel, take peace to those who were once enemies at enmity with God and bring them close. 
And this sets them off. That's where we pick up here in verse 22 of chapter 22. It says, Up to this word they listened to him. Then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. And as they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks and flinging dust into the air, the tribune ordered them ordered him to be brought into the barracks, saying that he should be examined by flogging to find out why they were shouting against him like this. So literally everything. It's like you're going to, to share the gospel. God's come to you in a vision. Okay, all these things seem to be fine. They check out. Wait, you're going to take them to them? You're taking it to these unworthy, unclean, unrighteous people? And then they want to kill him, right? Like, it's not just like, hey, man, like, that's not cool. Like, calm down. Like, chill. They're enemies with us, man. Like, do you know who you're, you're taking the gospel to? No, they want to kill him. It says that uh, away with such a fellow from the earth. Away with such a fellow from He doesn't even deserve to be here, right? Like, flat earthers. He just walks right off and off. Just off the earth, right? It's a joke. I, I'm not here to make a case for either or, just lightening the mood, right? Like, they're saying that he needs to be off the earth. This is a pretty big deal, right? All it took was him sharing the gospel expansion to the Gentiles for them to want his life and a flogging, what they wanted to do. It was a whipping that could greatly harm or even kill a person. It was a brutal, rageful beating ensued on criminals. Same kind of whipping our Savior faced, and now Paul was up against what happens? We'll continue on. Verse 25. But when they had stretched him out for the whips, Paul said to the centurion who was standing by, Is it lawful for you to flog a man who is a Roman citizen and uncondemned? When the centurion heard this, he went into the tribune and said to him, What are you about to do? For this man is a Roman citizen. So the tribune came and said to him, Tell me, are you a Roman citizen? And he said, Yes. The tribune answered, I bought the citizenship for a large sum. Paul said, but I am a citizen by birth. So those who were about to examine him withdrew from him immediately, and the tribune was also afraid, for he realized that Paul was a Roman citizen and that he had bound him. Okay, so let's, let's start back with the, the stretched, right? This is some form of, of constraint. They could have tied his arms around like a post to expose his back, um, as R.C. Sproul mentions. Like the, this is a good understanding for us to have. They're exposing his back for the, the whipping. They could have tied him up and hung him up a little bit so that they could beat him. This wasn't like, hey, you know, like I'm about to run this race. Paul wasn't like stretching out his muscles like, I'm about to get whipped and... Like, oh, all right, Paul, you stretched enough. Like, here it comes, man. No, this was, this was brutal. Like, what was about to happen was brutal. Paul's like, last-ditched effort, last-ditched effort. Comes to his mind to remind them, hey, I'm a, a, a Roman citizen. He speaks up, and he's stern about it, right? He speaks up, and Roman citizenship was highly sought after. And no known Roman citizen would face this type of punishment without a trial, right? A Roman citizen could face this. They weren't above reproach in the sense like, hey, you just get to get away with whatever you want. But they surely would not be condemned without a trial. Like, I mean, look at this. He says, are you about to do this to a Roman citizen who's uncondemned? The centurion hears this, tells the tribune, right, the, the leader here, he says, tell me, are, are you a Roman citizen? He says, yes. And he tells Paul, he's like, I paid this much. 
Paul says, I am from birth. And this guy's like, like, this is a big deal. Like, this tribune could have been killed for what he was about to do to Paul because of his citizenship. So he speaks up. See, Roman citizens, you, they were like the customers that are never wrong, right? Like, the, like, you're just, like, never wrong. Like, I worked at Best Buy, like, you're wrong sometimes. This guy tried to come in and tell me, like, there's, like, a splitter where you can change an HDMI to, like, this like floppy disk like I'm like man like I don't think HDMI's go to floppy disk like that's that's going real real far back like yes I even I remember floppy disk right and it's like you've got to correct them sometimes and sometimes when you're at Chipotle you've got to correct them too as the customer right like there's no sense where it's like we can't be wrong like we're not like infallible people right like we can be inerrant at times like not making an error but capable of it but infallible no like Aubrey she tells me to speak up I think I've told you guys this Michael they they gave you a hot drink at Starbucks, it's 96 degrees. You're not gonna drink that. I'm like, no, it's good. <laughs> She's like, give me that thing. She goes in very graciously, right? Because we need to be stern, but also humble. And she says, hey, like my husband, uh, he's a wimp and uh, doesn't wanna come in here and tell you, but listen, I'm stern and I can be humble, but like we paid $6. Please, please give us the, the right thing. They, they give it to you, right? We've got to speak up. When we know things are wrong, we need to speak up. Paul speaks up. Verse 30. But on the next day, desiring to know the real reason why he was being accused by the Jews, he unbound him and commanded the chief priests and all the council to meet. And he brought Paul down and set him before them. And looking at, intently at the council, Paul said, Brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience up to this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Are you sitting to judge me according to the law, and yet contrary to the law, you order me to be struck? Jesus is loving, right? He's kind. and like No, this is like the, the flip the table. Like This is like, guys, you all are going off the rails. You cannot go rogue right? You can't just do what you want to do. Sometimes we've got to get real stern, church. R.C. Sproul says uh, about whitewashed walls, just to give us some context. Tombs were often whitewashed uh, to make them more visible. So Paul's metaphor may mean that Ananias's splendid outward appearance only conceals the decay of death within. He may also be alluding to the imagery of Ezekiel 13 verses 8 through 16, in which whitewash on a wall enhances its appearance but does not add to its strength. Paul, nonetheless, aptly characterizes a corrupt leader whose abuse of authority demeans his priestly office. Think about this. Priests are caring. This is the opposite of care. It's the complete opposite of, of Ananias' position, his office. But, so Paul calls it like it is. He calls him out for his corrupt leadership. But look what happens. Those who stood by him says, would you revile God's high priest? And Paul said, and I think like this, I did not know, brothers, that he was the high priest. For it is written, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. Paul understands like, hey, like a little bit of humility may have been lost here. And you say like, well, he just ordered you to be struck in the mouth. This is, this is the issue. They're saying, Paul, you don't love the law. And Paul is saying in a moment where this guy, Ananias, needed to hear it, he's saying, man, maybe, maybe I should have taken it a little slower. 
Maybe I should have been a little bit more humble. Why? It's not because Paul feels bad about being a little bit mean and stern when it needed to be laid on. It's because Paul has a a high view of God's law, as should we. Amen, church? Like, it's that big of a deal where it's like, I would have just let it be, Paul. But Paul says, according to the word, we can't just do that. You see, just as they had been aware of Paul's, unaware of Paul's citizenship in Rome, Paul was unaware of Ananias' position as high priest. And what's he do? He shows humility. He says, I did not know. Why does he show humility? Because law and order matters. Church, where, where law and order do not exist, chaos abounds. Amen? Like, this is it's important. That's why God established government. It's why God establishes law in the very beginning. Because we need law and order, and we need consequence to those who disobey. See, Paul is stern, and in his humility, he reminds us that we need to be attentive. Point number two. We need to be attentive people. Like, Paul, like, maybe if he had just taken the strike and just, like, spit the blood out and maybe, like, uh, didn't like that. Oh, you're the high priest. You're wearing the thing. You're doing the thing. All right. Hey, man, like, why'd you do that? You disobeyed the law. But he says, you whitewashed wall. He's, he needs to be attentive, right? And we don't live in a society anymore, and, and all of us can admit this, and I'll share mine in a minute. We're, we're not attentive to the things around us. We just, as quickly as we can get away from a situation, we will. Uh, this morning, Aubrey hands me ever, and she's like, hey, like, just doing the singing thing. We're practicing, getting ready for this morning. Uh, take ever. And, like, I, I knew she didn't say all that, obviously. It was like, I was like, oh. I got to get the kid. So I come up and I get Ev and um, we're, we're walking around and Ev's like, snack, snack, snack. And I was like, here's a snack. More. And I'm like, there's, okay. And I start to go get it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You take that and when you eat it all, then I'll get you more. But I realized in that moment, even coming into this message that I was like, if I can just get Ev off of my leg, it doesn't even matter what she's saying. And what I'm doing is actually by not being attentive, I'm creating a bad habit in her where I could be more attentive, which will be more loving, more caring, and in the end, we'll both end up better off. But instead, I'm just trying to go, yes, yes, you can, here, take the whole bag of cereal, right? Dump it on, I don't care, right? That's the kind of people we are. Our neighbors tell us, hey, my grandfather's sick with cancer, and we're like, oh, man, mm, how's the rest of your week been, right? And, like, and we don't even care about the rest of the week. We're just like, I don't know how to deal with that. Like, let's just move on. We need to be attentive. You see, they hadn't paid attention to his status, Paul's. He had not paid attention to Ananias' status. Church, we need to be attentive not only to the word, but also to the world around us. Not conforming to it, but being attentive to it so that we can care for it, love on it. Not love it, love on it, right? That means with, with grace and mercy, pursuing it with the gospel, Paying attention to the detail of the world church around us helps us to best engage people with the gospel. Psalm 66, 16 says this, Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will tell what he has done for my soul. And if you have a kid in Big's class, that's their memory verse for this week. Psalm 66, 16. Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will tell what he has done for my soul. People, we don't even have to call people into our life all the time, right? Think about the defense case. You're already there. They've come to you. They're asking you questions. We ought to be telling of what he's done for us. Like, maybe you can't remember all the doctrines and and the scriptures, right? Like, I'm, I'm with you. Like, sometimes it's tough, especially on the spot. But what has God done for you, right? Very tangible. You've seen it. You've experienced it. Like, the world says, no one else has walked a day in your shoes. And like, 
You're right. So tell them how God has worked as long as it's, it's accurate with the scriptures, right? How the gospel has changed and conformed you into the likeness of Christ. Tell people that. Be attentive to their needs and use that to elevate the gospel and promote the glory of God. What it looks like practically is being attentive and speaking the truth into people's lives, right? Like not ignoring the cues that people give to us. Like when your coworker says that he's had a terrible, terrible week. Not like, ah, yeah, man, like I've been there. Like, no, what is terrible? Not passing up on the opportunity to lovingly care for someone and serve them in a way that the gospel is spoken and demonstrated through loving service. We need to be attentive to what's going on. Paul's attentive to what's happening around him. Check this out, verse 6. Now when Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Brothers, I am a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. It is with respect to the hope and resurrection of the dead that I am on trial. And when he said this, a dissension arose between the Pharisees and Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. For the Sadducees say there is no resurrection, nor angel, nor spirit, but Pharisees acknowledge them all, as they should. Then a great clamor, uh, clamor arose, and some of the scribes of the Pharisees uh, Pharisees' party stood up and contended sharply, We find nothing wrong in this man. What if a spirit or an angel spoke to him? Whew. Tell that to some people who don't believe in angels or spirits, like, them are fighting words, right? There was this big division among the Jews, right? In between the Old Testament and the New Testament writings, there was a division. It, it rose up, right? You've got 400 years of silence. Like, what do you do? You start to kind of go stir crazy. Like, like what's going on? God's not talking. You get these, these crazy ideas instead of just reading the word, right? Like, think about what it's happened. We've had 2,000 years of silence while God's been actively moving. It's tangible. We can see it all around us. And people were like, well, he hasn't said anything about greed lately, so must be good. You get these divisions. Paul realizing who's amongst him in the council he pleases case sternly and humbly, having paid attention to the detail. He knows how to get through to them quickly and meaningfully. See, we need to be attentive for believers, right? Not just for unbelievers and like how the culture is engaging them and how we need to share the gospel. Church, we need to watch out for our brothers and sisters in Christ because they, lots of them, are being led by unbelievers. Behind the pulpit, people going to hell preaching to the people of God about the things contrary to the word of God. I mean, it's crazy. Oh, you guys always talk about that. I'm just, we're here in Acts. I'm not always just talking about other people. I'm telling you what Paul was dealing with, church we deal with today also. Unbelievers are leading believers. It's crazy. It should drive us nuts. It should remind us of the importance of speaking the truth, being attentive to the details, being attentive to our surroundings, the world we live in, to the situations that we walk through in this life. Paul knows that there's some non-believing people around them. He says, hey, I'm a Pharisee, son of Pharisees. You all are amongst these guys. The reason I'm in trouble is for the things that they don't agree with you on. If you set Jesus and tied it to your beliefs, Pharisees, they'd be after you too. Violence ensues. Look at this. What if, a, a, verse 9, what if a spirit or an angel spoke to him? Verse 10, and when the dissension became violent, 
The tribune, afraid that Paul would be torn to pieces by them, commanded soldiers to go down and take him away from among them by force and bring him into the barracks. You know what that'll do to us? We read things like this. We experience even a little bit of controversy, a little bit of, of um, violence, right? We, maybe we see it. We, we lose our courageousness. Point number three, that's what we need to be. We don't want to lose that. We want to be courageous. We want to be about courageousness. Like we, we, we want to go out and not be pushed to the side or, or even church, not just pushed to the side. It's like if you get pushed to the side, stand back up, move over, sternly and humbly stand, be attentive to the detail, but be courageous where you are. Don't let them push you to the side or let, let you just like actively like, I mean, it's not really like worth fighting. The gospel church is worth fighting over. Like I'm not saying like fisticuffs, right? I'm just saying like it's like verbally telling them, you're wrong, you need to believe in Jesus. Be courageous. Paul receives a special vision. Verse 11. It says, The following night, so after all this violence ensues, the Lord stood by him and said, Take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. The Lord knew what Paul had done. He doesn't say, Good job, you're done. He doesn't say, like, hey, man, you can, like, you can back off a little bit. No, he says, Paul, like, I'm going to need you. Like, you're, like, in third year. I'm going to need you to downshift tonight. And here in a minute, you're going to go back up. You're going to shift up. You're going to go from fourth to fifth. You're moving up. You're going to put your foot down on the pedal. And he tells him, he says, you testified to the facts. Like, could you imagine being Paul, like, nearly losing your life and, like, hope I got that right? And Jesus says, yes. Testify to the facts, but you also must testify also in Rome. Keep it going, Paul. Keep it going. Paul, you've done well. Church, maybe we've done well. Maybe we haven't. Maybe we need to step back and say, hey, like I haven't been active. Even, even in my defense, I just kind of like am lackadaisical in my efforts and in my care, and I need to change that, right? Maybe, maybe that's where some of us are this morning. Maybe some of us just need to just keep on going. Like we can say, like, hey, like done well, but we can't stop. The fight is not over. Like Paul, Paul talks about this. Let's look at uh, 1 Timothy 6.12. We're going to go through three different passages here real quick. This is what Paul writes to Timothy. He says, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. He says, fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight. That means actively you're fighting. It's a verb that we are going and actively fighting the good fight of faith. It's continual. It's ongoing. He tells him. This is him closing up this letter. He tells Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. You've already testified. There are many witnesses. So continue on fighting. Next passage. So this is Paul writing to Timothy, but then you have Acts 20, verse 24. But I do not count, account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. If I only, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Continuing with Paul, right? And then he, he writes back to Timothy in 2 Timothy. It's his last letter to young Timothy. 2 Timothy 4, verses 7 and 8. I have... So in Acts, we see actively the church growing and expanding and Paul going, right? We were just here a few weeks ago. 
in the Acts passage, and he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who has loved his appearing. It's an active faith, continuing to fight the good fight. See, we don't believe in a, a uh, works-based salvation, but we believe in a faith that works kind of salvation. That if you've believed in Jesus, you're going to actively pursue that relationship by the work of the Holy Spirit. It's supernatural. God is actively at work in his people, so it should be seen. And we too, church, should desire this, to say, I want to fight the good fight. I want to finish the race. Let me tell you something. I've been back to, to running. I do like my mile a day in the summer. It's terrible, right? It's like four laps around, uh, four, yeah, four times around the track. It's like that's your mile. And I'm like, I get like one done. I'm like, oh, man, like I don't know if I want to finish this race, right? It's just it's a lot for me to have to do. Like, no, you push on. And then like you like feel kind of like terrible at first. Like if any of you all say like right after you work out, you feel good, like you're crazy, right? Like I feel good like after like the shower. Like I'm like, I can like, I can literally, I'm not kidding. I can breathe better. Like everything seems a little fresh. Not right after I finish. I can like smell blood or something. Like it's just, <laughs> like bleeding somewhere and I don't know. It's probably a problem, but like, like I don't know if that's normal. But spiritually, church, we are called to finish the race, to fight the good fight. Paul, Paul writes that. The scriptures attest to it. Prophets were raised up over and over because Israel didn't want to continue fighting the good fight. They wanted to like just turn to golden calves and things created and not the creator. Well, the word is, is very prophetic to us this morning, church, and, and it's sense where it's telling us that we ought to be this way. We ought to be courageous. Church, we need to pray for courage. The Christian must be courageous in speaking the truth. It takes courage, right? Like some of you have all been there and maybe you've been shaking, right? Like, you're nervous, and it's like, you don't doubt your love for the Lord, but man, this is like, just, it's tough. You don't know what they're going to say. You may be hated. Church, this is something we must constantly pray for for ourselves. Constantly. This is something we must constantly lift our brothers and sisters in Christ up for also. Praying that God would give them the courage as they speak the truth. Sternly and humbly. Being attentive to the needs of the person they're sharing with, but being courageous. Ben, you can go ahead and come back up. But church, do not, do not back down from the truth of the gospel. Now, you may back down from, from secondary issues we've talked about. Like, it's like, hey, like, I, we, don't, we don't need to fight over this. I, I've shared my position with you. Like, shake the dust off my feet and move on. But church, do not, do not show the irrelevance with the scriptures. Do not show the irrelevance with the gospel. It's like even with, with Maylee and, and Everett now, I'm trying to teach them sorry, right? Like, tell your sister you're sorry, and you say, sorry, and then one of them will say, it's okay. And I'm like, it's not okay. Like, because, and you're like, why? Why don't you just say it's okay? Because forgiveness is a crucial part of the gospel. So I want my children to understand the importance of forgiveness when there's been wrongdoing. So what I'm saying is, is we need to actively stand on the truth. And I think even for me and in our house is trying to get that truth through their, uh, through their head. And with the world, church, do not back down. Do not, 
it's okay, like, if you, like, follow closely, but not, not actually. Like, no, following is following. It's like, there's, like, not one way, or, like, this way and that way. Jesus says, I am the way. Amen, church? So let's tell people about the way, not backing down, remembering to be stern, but be humble, be attentive, but be courageous. Church, let's stand this morning. We're going to sing of the goodness of God and Christ alone, our Savior, our rock, and our foundation. So if you all would, go ahead and stand. And, and let us be in an attitude of prayer, not only for ourselves. Church, we need it. If, if I could, could you pray for, for me as well? And could you pray for your brothers and sisters as we go out into the mission field this week right here in Medina to be courageous, actively being on offense, but as, as people come through our doors that would be ready to give defense for the reason we believe what we believe. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that truth was spoken and truth was received. All my messed up words... I trust your spirit to be correcting now. God, I, I, I pray that we would understand just the importance of this, God, and, and the beauty of this. By speaking the truth, God, you're actively using us to go out and to call sinners to repentance. And God, you are using that to draw people to yourself. You are saving people through the mission of your church. That we are to go out. Believers are going out every minute. People are being saved. What a good work you do through the hands of wretched people like us. We thank you for that. We thank you for intervening in our life also. God, and I, I pray even now just that we would reflect back. Someone spoke the truth to us sternly and humbly. They were attentive to our needs. They cared for us. But they stood firm. Because, God, they were courageous. You gave them that courage to speak up. We pray for the same thing pray for the person here that doesn't know you, God, that you would draw them to yourself, God, that they, this morning, this would be the morning that they repent and believe in the gospel, and that they'd no longer be uh, separated from you, but God, that they would be reconciled to you. Father God, I pray for, for those who are missing this morning, many, many folks under the weather, pray that you would be with them, grant them health and safety. Those who are traveling, grant them health and safety as well. Let them have good trips, but God, I pray that you would just lay on their heart as well this, this importance, this command of speaking the truth. God, I pray that these characteristics would come to mind, that yes, we can't just be gracious, can't just be humble. We need to be stern. We need to be firm. We can't just be stern. We can't just be firm. We have to have a balance of grace as well. I pray that we would slow down in our lives a little bit, first and foremost to myself. I pray this. We'd slow down and just be attentive. We would care for the needs of our families first. We would care to the needs of our church. We would care also to the needs of our community, sharing the gospel, engaging with them. As the culture uses things to, to divide and pull away, God, I pray that we would turn those for our good and for your glory. God, we pray as we go that you would go before us, leading the way and directing us always. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.